And it's that decreasing the overwhelm that ends up helping us feel better, ultimately. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lavender Lifestyle. It's Eileen. In today's episode, we are talking about stress and overwhelm and how to manage it. So before I get into it, I want to tell you about the Create Your Dream Life online course that I recently launched. Create Your Dream Life is a six-week step-by-step course designed to help you discover your true potential, release your fears, and make your dream life a reality. So if you feel like you're in a place where you're lost in life, lacking direction, you don't know what you're meant to do or how to make your dreams happen, this course is for you. If you want to learn more, just go to lavendare.com slash dream life. Again, it's lavendare.com slash dream life. All right. So today's guest is Dr. Samantha Brody. Dr. Samantha is a licensed naturopathic physician and acupuncturist and founder of the Evergreen Natural Health Center in Portland, Oregon. For decades in her private practice and virtual consulting business, Dr. Samantha has helped thousands transform their lives with her innovative, personalized approach. She's the author of Overcoming Overwhelm, Dismantling Stress from the Inside Out. Hello, Dr. Samantha Brody. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle. So excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited to be here too. Same. So I was reading up on your background. So you're a licensed naturopathic physician and acupuncturist, but you also wrote this book on overcoming overwhelm. So I was curious, how does alternative medicine and your background have to do with managing stress and overwhelm? What I found, so I'm 23 years into my practice and I'm licensed as a naturopathic physician, which means in the state of Oregon that I'm actually licensed as a primary care doctor, but I'm also trained extensively in complementary and alternative medicine. So I'm kind of the bridge walker, I would say, between those things. And what I found in my practice over the years is that 99% of the time, people's symptoms, whatever it is they're coming in for, has some kind of overwhelm or stress aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And what I found was over and over, year over year in my practice, I was working with people not only to address their symptoms and to get under with causes of what's going on, but how to lower their overall stress load such that they have more room to deal with how they're feeling and more room to make changes and more room to actually address their lives in a way that help them kind of create a life that lines up with what their values are. And then I kind of came up with the system and then figured out a way with the book to, you know, make it available, I guess, to people who aren't sitting with me face to face or working with me online. Right. So are you saying, do you believe that all physical ailments stem from some sort of stress or overwhelm? That's a great question. I wouldn't say they all stem from that. Sometimes mm-hmm. they you have a genetic disposition. But mm-hmm. I always think that there will be a stress or overwhelm aspect to our overall health. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that our symptoms aren't, you know, I think our medical system is pretty reductionistic in the United States in particular, whereas we will look at here's your symptom, here's how we're treating it, rather than here's a person who is experiencing these symptoms and these conditions. And when we're able to kind of look at it in that more holistic way or, you know, more alternative way, 
I'm more able to then say, oh, look, your overall load, and whether that's kind of the experience of stress that we're accustomed to, this, you know, quote unquote, overwhelm or how I feel, I feel, when people say I feel stressed or I feel overwhelmed, that there are many other ways that stress and overwhelm manifest, and that is in particular with symptoms and or health mm. issues. Yeah. So there's always a stress aspect in someone's life. Yeah, I believe that. I do. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anyone who's completely stress-free and overwhelm-free. So so let's talk about stress and overwhelm. How do you tell the difference between the two and how do you approach them differently? I approach them differently from this perspective that we we have stress and that's not necessarily bad, right? Stress is a natural... Mm you know, part of being alive in this day and age, or really in any day and age, really, that stress helps drive us. Stress helps drive us to make changes in our lives. But that stress isn't necessarily a problem unto itself. It only becomes a problem when there's more stress than we can handle. And whether mm-hmm. that's these, you know, again, these typical stresses, or whether it's more things we don't even really think about as stress, like environmental stresses, or nutritional stresses, or relationship stresses, or little small things that we wouldn't really peg as being a cause of our symptoms, that it is the accumulation of these stresses. And I think of it kind of like a bucket, right? We have a bucket that we can, mm-hmm. we're each born with a certain size bucket ability to handle stress. And at some point that's going to spill over. And in different seasons of our lives, mm-hmm. it spills over because of different things. But that ultimately it's the accumulation that's the problem. And that when right. we're able to kind of address the stresses on a you know one over one basis, things we do have control over, things we choose to change, we can decrease the overwhelm. And it's that decreasing the overwhelm that ends up helping us feel better ultimately. Mm. Okay. So the way I see it is you're saying stress is normal and we all have stress. So it's overwhelm is what happens when your stress overflows the bucket of what you can handle. Is that correct? Exactly. And whether that's physical or emotional or, you know, however, whatever it is for you, right? It's just more than you can handle period. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that overwhelm reminds me of like overflow. So <laughs> yeah, mm. it, it does make yeah. a lot of sense. Let's talk about your method that you talk about in the book. I mean, what is your method for overcoming overwhelm? The subtitle of the book is dismantle your stress from the inside out. And the mm-hmm. reason that I framed it in that way is because we can manage stress and overwhelm with our typical kind of stress management tactics, which I don't want to throw under the bus because we have to have right. those things, right? You have to have mm-hmm. ways to kind of downregulate and calm down and engage in self-care, but that ultimately what we really want to do is look at, are we lining our choices up with our values and is our overall load low enough that we have the bandwidth to deal with whatever life throws our way? So the first Mm -hmm. step in the book is getting clear about what's most important to us. And that's threefold. It's what our core values are and what's most important. And I know you work with that a lot with with the work that you do. You know, I was looking at your um, daily planner, right? And the kind of how do I want to feel, which is the second piece of what I really encourage people to do, right? If we don't know what's most important and how Mm -hmm. we want to feel, we don't know what choices to make in a day, in a week, in a year, in our lives. Mm -hmm. And then the third piece is how we want to feel physically. And I think that's a piece, you know, all of those things can can be things that we don't pay attention to or don't keep in our the front of our minds, right? Our values, how we want to feel physically and emotionally. So yeah. I really encourage people first and foremost to get super clear about those things 
And then once we know what those are, we next look at, well, how do I make change best? So knowing that this is, you know, X, Y, and Z are important to me, and here's how I want to feel, you know, we all have the best of intentions with, okay, I'm going to exercise regularly or eat healthfully. But if we don't really know how we make change best, we are not likely to be able to actually follow through with things. Mm -hmm. And then to, you know, so once we get clear about that, and then who we need on our team, what kind of support we need, and I literally go through kind of a step over step process to help yeah. people identify what those things are. And then looking at the bucket. So there are certain categories in this bucket that I identify that are really common across most people's lives. And that's your past, your relationships, your financial situation, your environment, your uh, then your nutrition, you know, the things you may not be getting enough of, like nature, fresh water, sunlight, you know, there's things that we may need to help feel our best. And I actually have people go through a process of enumerating all of those stresses and the, the big ones, like, you know, I'm going through a divorce to the small ones. You know, my husband took the baseboard off of all of the rooms in the house mm-hmm. so he could repair it and it's been on the floor for a year and a half or, you know, oh, yeah. whatever yeah. those things that we stop seeing. And so all of those things. And I think sometimes when people start to do these kinds of exercises, they can get feel more overwhelmed by saying, mm-hmm. wow, look at all of these stresses I have. But my goal is empowerment. My goal is to help people really look at, all right, here are the stresses that I have in my life, the big, the small, the minutiae. And these are, you know, these are the things within those categories that I can change or can't change, or I can change my attitude about, or maybe most importantly, these are things I'm not going to change right now. I'm, I, yes, this thing stresses me out. Yes, this may not be the best thing for me right now, but I'm going to choose to do that. And I'm not going to give myself a hard time about not doing it. And so we're able to kind of take this pressure off ourselves and not, mm. um, you know, not feel badly about what we quote unquote should be doing to feel right. better. And it's kind of taking control back into our own hands, which is really ultimately the main goal I have for people to. Yeah. Do, yeah. Empowerment. Yeah. I mean, that makes so much sense to me when you put it that way, because it's a matter of just like looking at your life, what's stressing you out and what can you take off? I know that a lot of people out there struggle because their mind wants to do so much more than they physically can handle. And (laughs) like, even I go through this, you know, I want to exercise every day, eat well and work, but like, just do, do a lot of things, get a lot done, but it's just hard to. So how do you handle and manage your mind regarding like how much you want to do and how to not get overwhelmed? That's really interesting. I mean, I think that not only is it hard, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Like if even if it were only the things that you want to do, forget the things that you need to do yeah. or have committed to do or that someone else is relying on you for. And we're also, you know, it's hard to make a choice to do something that you know is good for you that doesn't bring you that, you know, immediate feeling of positive feedback or dopamine hit or whatever that is. And so, you know, as far as getting into the mindset, You know, I would say being really clear about what your bandwidth is and to make sure you have Mm -hmm. room to do those things. And then that you are looking really objectively and being brutally honest about, do I really have the bandwidth to do this right now? Is this the time? Does this line up with what's most important to me? And, And then the other side of that is looking at what our roadblocks are, because a lot of time, it isn't really that we don't have time or bandwidth, it's that we are using our time in a way that isn't lined up with what's most important to us. And whether that's saying yes to things that we don't really care Mm -hmm. about, or whether that's, you know, looking for a dopamine hit of going down a, you know, 
going down some kind of rabbit hole on Instagram. Yeah, getting distracted. Is, yeah. yeah, and distracted in – I mean, it's natural, right? We, we mm-hmm. want – to not feel discomfort and those things that, you know, sitting in quiet and sitting in ease is sometimes uncomfortable. And Mm. our brain, you know, I mean, I find in particular when I'm stressed that all my brain wants to do is sit on my phone until 1130 at night when really, Mm -hmm. you know, at at worst, I should be reading a book. At best, I should be asleep. And I say should because the sleep for me is one of the things that I've identified in doing this work is being really non-negotiable for me to do Mm -hmm. what I need to do in my life. And you know, let alone feel optimally in my life. So that it's a, it's really a non-negotiable for me yet. My subconscious is, you know, consistently pulling me away from that because I'm having stress and because my brain really wants feel good chemicals. And so, you know, really making sure that we're also looking at, all right, where is this coming from that I'm not following through with the thing that is important to me. Yeah. And so first step is getting really clear about what it is. And the second thing is looking at our roadblocks. What's keeping me from doing those things and really wrapping your head around it in a conscious way and then getting to make the decision you want, right? Like ostensibly most of the people who are listening to you are adults or close to it and are able to make a decision. Here's what I'm going to do with my time. You get to do whatever you want with your time. You know, you could sit around eating ding dongs, watching Netflix 17 hours a day and then sleep if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. And so what, you know, what's, what's, drawing us to do that and then really, you know, self-reflection, self-inquiry. I mean, what would you say are the common things that keep us from from doing what we set out to do? You know, someone wants to build a new habit, but, you know, they end up on Instagram and, you know, what explains that? What are, what are the common things? Well, I think the most common thing is a drive for dopamine or mm-hmm. our brains really wanting to, you know, create a you know, create this happy place, right? It's yeah. we're, we're naturally geared to that. Some other things might be being a perfectionist and feeling like, well, if you can't really do it perfectly, you're not going to do it at all. Oh yeah. And then, so we don't get to do those things or, you know, I have a 12 year old and, you know, I'm watching him not study for his finals and I'm going like, well, is that really mm-hmm. because he doesn't feel like he needs to, or is it because if he doesn't study, he, his subconscious doesn't go, oh, I'm not smart enough to do well on these exams wow. or, you know, whatever yeah. Thing is. Like you have so, to face that fear, whatever it is. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. and dig into what that is. And then the, the kind of the other part of that is our subconscious beliefs. So if we believe that we are, you know, not worthy of feeling well, and again, that's it tends to be a deep subconscious thing. It's not something that in your head you go like, oh, I mean, some people think, right? Especially once mm-hmm. we've done some, you know, self-help work or whatnot. You know, what is my subconscious belief? Do I really believe? that it's okay to feel well and be successful as, you know, a woman in this culture or be successful as an entrepreneur or, you know, be the best at what I do. Like, do we really believe that, right? So looking at our, you know, when your subconscious isn't in alignment with your external experience, that can be a roadblock. You know, brain chemistry. So sometimes it's not really about your mindset. It's about brain chemistry, right? From childhood trauma or from a genetic disposition to not you know, to make too much stress hormone or, you know, whatever those things are, those can get in the way too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something I talked about a little earlier, discomfort with discomfort, right? So we have to, in order to be able to do the things Mm -hmm. that really help us feel best, we have to be uncomfortable sometimes. Whether, you know, for me, that's asking for help, right? I have a really hard time asking for help. It's really uncomfortable for me. And I need to make sure that I leave enough room for that extra, the extra stress of that when I need help, right? 
um, and not undermine myself. So those are some of the some of the big ones. I mean, I could certainly go on, but those are, I think, the the biggest ones for for the majority of my folks. Although there are certainly, you know, one of the things that I really focus on in this book and in my practice and in my online consulting business is that you know, we're so individual and that these kind of programs or books that say, you just do this and you'll be all good. doesn't, they don't work for everyone because yeah. everyone is so different with what they need. And so I really encourage people to learn what, you know, to, to figure out a way. And I try to give a structure to do this, figure out, well, what exactly it is, is it that you need? How exactly mm-hmm. is it that you want to feel? What is most important to you? Like, forget about what our culture says or what your parents say or what your church says or what your friends say or, you know, what the magazines tell you or, you know, any of those things. What's really important to you? And then, you know, once we understand that, then we're able to really dig in and say, okay, here is what's important now. If you can't make those changes, what's in your way? Yeah, I think it's really important to realize that everybody is so different. And even us talking about this and you putting all those examples on the table, someone might not be able to apply your examples to their own life. And it's up to each individual to really dig deep and get to know what's the deep why that they do what they do. And And that's hard, isn't it? It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to teach because self-awareness is like, there's so many layers to it. Someone might think they're self-aware, but not even realize everything that's down there. So I don't know. It's a process. It's a journey. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like that there are a lot of ups and downs with it too, right? Like you get to a point, you're like, okay, here's my goal. Here's where I'm headed. And then you go, oh, I totally did not get yeah. that, right? When, we can, when, you're, when we're continuing this kind of self-inquiry, you know, where we sit is where we mm-hmm. sit and what our brains can wrap our heads around or where we are right now. But there's more. Mm-hmm. There's, there's always, always more. an evolution. There's always more. Yeah. And that's good. I think sometimes that we feel badly about that. We're like, oh, I thought I had it together, but look, here's this big piece I was missing. But, you know, really we can't, you know, you we are where we are. And I think this kind of accepting of ourselves and loving ourselves and being able to really honor ourselves where we are is such an important part of this process for people. Like don't, you know, the more of a hard time when we give ourselves a super hard time, it's even that much more difficult to make progress, right? We get stuck. Totally. Today's sponsor is Native. I love clean and simple products, especially when it comes to what I put on my skin. Native creates cruelty-free and non-toxic deodorants, soaps, and body wash, but unlike other brands, they believe less is more. They use fewer ingredients and no aluminum, parabens, or talc, which may be linked to serious health concerns like breast cancer. Instead, Native's products are filled with familiar ingredients like coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. Everything is made in the U.S. and all ingredients are thoughtfully sourced from around the world. Their products come in a wide variety of scents like coconut and vanilla and eucalyptus and mint. I use the lavender and rose deodorant, of course. It's super light, but it lasts all day, and I love that sweet lavender scent. If you don't like scents or have sensitive skin, you can also try their unscented formula or baking soda-free formula. There's no risk with trying Native. They offer free shipping, returns, and exchanges within the U.S. And today, Native has a special offer for Lavender Lifestyle listeners. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code LAVENDARE at checkout. That's Native Deodorant, N-A-T-I-V-E Deodorant.com and the code LAVENDARE to receive 20% off your first purchase of Native products. You also talk about finding your own sweet spot and balance in health. I mean, is that similar to finding your sweet spot and your values or what do you recommend for people? 
Yeah, you know, again, that's, I will say again, that really varies. And this is kind of, you know, this is the nidus of where it started with me, right? Because in my practice, I really started focusing mostly on physical health, mm-hmm. certainly early on in my practice without, you know, over time, again, this evolution of, oh, no, all these things are so intricately woven. Yeah. But, you know, in, I always say that, you know, everyone has their own best that they can feel. And not everyone can feel great all the time. Some people are going to have chronic pain. Some people have, you know, cerebral palsy or cancer or, you know, some other health condition that they're dealing with or just straight up aging, right? As we age, our bodies really change Mm -hmm. and what it can do when we're 20 is different than when we're 30 or 40 or 50. And the, you know, the sweet spot is what is the best you can feel? And then what are the things you need to do to feel your best? So the example I gave earlier for me that's non-negotiable is getting eight hours of sleep. For someone else, it may be avoiding sugar or gluten. And someone else, it may be exercising, you know, five days a week or, you know, not eating purple pickles or not binge eating ding-dongs or, you know, whatever <laughs> the thing is. Um, I'm obsessed with those ding-dongs currently. I'm not even really exactly <laughs> yeah. sure what they are, but they were, I remember some kind of hostess thing when I was a kid. But, yeah. you know, there are, you know, there there is a sweet spot for everyone. And it is what those specific things are that you need to feel your best. And, you know, again, it really varies from person Mm -hmm. to person. I actually walk people through that process in the book. And then of course I work with people one-on-one with that in my practice and, you know, trying to identify where and what's non-negotiable too, right? So there are some things that, well, I feel my best Mm -hmm. if I do X, Y, or Z, but I really can't get away with not doing Y. Yeah. And I think it, just over time, you'll you'll realize what those things are that are non-negotiable. Like for me, sleep is also one of them. Right. Also like journaling because I have to get my thoughts out. Mm. And what else? Like doing yoga because if I don't move my body in that way, if I don't stretch, I just feel so stagnant and stuck. So right. things and like I- that. Yeah. And, you know, learning what's right for any individual, like that's trial and error Mm -hmm. and really listening to your body. Well, how do I feel when I do that? How do I feel when I don't do that? Right. And then, you know, and experimenting, right? I mean, many people I'm sure who are listening have never gotten on a yoga mat. And so saying, all right, this is something that I, you know, think might be helpful for me because I've read that it, you know, X, Y, and Z. So saying, all right, I'm going to try a yoga class, or I'm going to try to stretch every morning, or, you know, whatever those things are that we want to experiment with, because really, we're not going to know until we try. I say that to my yep. patients all the time, right? Yep. Like you don't, someone say, well, I don't want to stop drinking coffee and I say, well, fair. And you're having anxiety. So what would happen if you didn't drink coffee for two months? Do you think you could do that? And then let's see how you feel, you know, and for other people the you know, the coffee doesn't do anything. They'll stop drinking it. Their anxiety is no different. I'm like, great. So let's revisit that down the pike after we've looked at some other things. You know? mm-hmm. It's a trial and error. Yeah. Awesome. So now I have some Facebook questions that our group asked you. So, oh, so the first one is from Elizabeth. She asks, how do you keep the work stress from going home with you and truly creating that divide between like your work life and your home life? She's passionate about her job, but caring too much can have a negative impact. So how do you make sure you're caring just enough? Oh, that's such a good question. I thank you, Elizabeth. I really appreciate that question. Mm-hmm. I, you know, one of the things I have a very hard time with the concept of this work-life balance, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like we are whole people and everything we do is what we do. Now that yep. said, having some very specific rituals to not take 
home things that you don't choose to take home, whether that's, you know, logistically, I'm not going to take this folder home tonight, or whether that's, you know, I'm, I want to not have this in my mind when I go home. And I think that getting really clear about what other things are important to you. So you have a set schedule as much as possible. I mean, of course, some of our jobs are going to bleed, you know, bleed when we have different kinds of deadlines and things, sometimes mm-hmm. it'll just bleed into your day to day. But so being clear about scheduling things that you do want to do so you don't just end up filling your time with work but as far as not taking it home mentally I will usually have people actually do some kind of ritual of transition when they get home and you know when it's parents sometimes they say you know your kids can wait 15 minutes you know have whoever's taking care of them keep them for another few minutes or go home first before you grab them or if it's someone who you know jumps right onto their computer when they get home to to literally put a stopgap in between your workday and your home, your your nighttime mm-hmm. ritual, whatever that is. And that can be getting on a yoga mat for 15 yeah. minutes and, and journaling to say, all right, here's my brain dump. I'm going to pick this up tomorrow. Or to, you know, to say, all right, when I get home, and this is something I will often do is I walk in the door, I put down my keys, I walk right back out the door and I go for a 15 minute walk without listening to a book, without listening to music, just walking and kind of going through whatever my brain needs to go through for the first part of the walk. And then just literally making myself look around, look at the trees, listen for the birds. I mean, I live in the city, so, you know, look at the pigeons, just kidding. (laughs) You know, so to get, you know, to wrap your head around shifting gears and then come home, you know, walk into your house with this idea that you've had this really discreet change. And, you know, if you do need to work, like sometimes we need to work at night, really scheduling, okay, I'm going to work, I'm going to take an hour and a half break and, and deliberately not work. So being structured and honest with yourself about what is and isn't important to do and why being really clear about why you want to not be working. Right. So I'm hearing in that person's question, I don't Mm want to, I want to take a break. Right. Which is different than someone who may choose not to, which I don't want to vilify that either. Some people really want to work 20 hours, you know, and not 20 hours a day, because then you wouldn't get enough sleep, but, you know, 10 hours a day or 12 hours a day because they want Mm -hmm. to. And that's a completely legitimate choice as long as you're clear that that lines up with what your values are. Right. I I love that because I I don't think I've heard that very often have this physical ritual of transition from like your work life to your home life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the next question from Angelique, she asks, what are some strategies you would recommend for someone who is very overwhelmed at work due to high amounts of workload and nothing can be done about it? For example, like the company won't hire any new staff or like they just don't have control over the workload. So is there anything they can do to manage that overwhelm and burnout? I'm going to say something that sounds totally trite and I don't mean it to, but yeah, look for a different job, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people feel like, well, this is the only job I'm going to be able to get. There won't be a job that has a better corporate culture, but I see all the time, you know, and it may be that you're choosing to stay, but that's part of it too, right? So if it really is something that's out of your control, is that really okay with you? Is staying Mm -hmm. in this job aligned up with your values? Do you have other choices that you might be thinking about? So that's kind of a big picture thing that I would consider for Mm -hmm. folks, but you know, beyond that, I think it is, you know, pacing and being clear about what your own personal boundaries are and whether that's I'm going to stop at this time or I'm going to make sure I take a break. You know, whatever things you are that, that will help your brain shift gears when it needs to shift gears and then you know, and that's kind of related to the take work home thing, right? But mm-hmm. also I think breathing, 
during the day can be really, really helpful for keeping your overall nervous system calmer when you do have that kind of overwhelm. So it's less likely to bleed into other things. So, you know, I have a, I can't remember what the app is called. I think it's called mindfulness where there's actually kind of a meditation bell and you can set it to ring mm. every hour, or you can have you wear a fitness tracker. You can have that buzz every hour and take three really, really deep breaths Every hour, no one will know you're doing it if you need to go to the bathroom to do it because you're like smushed up in a cubicle against someone else and you're worried they're going to see you breathing and you shouldn't be. You know, you can go and do that. I mean, it's just breathing. Right? <laughs> but yeah. to to literally kind of downregulate your, your nervous system. But big picture, I'm going to go mm-hmm. back to that values exercise again, right? Is this, you know, what is it if your work is taking up this big part of your bucket, what other areas can you decrease your stress in in order to leave more room? Um, and then also to be really clear, you're choosing it, right? I'm choosing not to change my job. Yes. This is a choice and not feeling victim mm-hmm. of or, you know, that that you are – that someone else is controlling yeah. what you can or should or do need I to I think do. that part is huge actually, realizing that you are the one that has the choice whether to stay or not because most people think I have no choice. I have to do all this work. But I mean yeah. there's always a choice. There's always a choice. And sometimes it's, mm-hmm. you know – saying to your boss, I've been speeding and speeding and speeding up. And I think my work is suffering because they really often, you know, may or may not care if you're suffering, but you know, my work is suffering. So I'm going to try to be a little Mm -hmm. bit more clear about focusing on the thing I'm focusing on. And then I will give you feedback about what seems reasonable for me to do. Right. Because ultimately, you know, there are some companies that are really, their paradigm is churning people through. And in which case you're going to get churned through anyway. But if the company paradigm isn't churning people, they want you to succeed in your job. They want you to do Mm -hmm. a good job for them. And they may not, you know, they may have a limited budget or they won't hire someone, but they want you to do a good job. And so I think sometimes we're kind of reframing that can help as well, right? Like talking, mm-hmm. realizing that again, as this is in your control, it's also, you know, whether you're going to stay in the job, although, you know, that said, ha- you know, some people really don't have a huge amount of choice about the work that they do, but often there's more choice than we're really willing to give ourselves or admit. I actually have a yes. story about a, a patient in the book who was working, she was like in her sixties and she worked like, worked like changing things up on light poles. And she was like, no company will ever hire me. And she was working swing shift. So she was not sleeping. Mm-hmm. She was gaining weight. Her blood pressure was high. She was wow. so sick. And I, and she said, you know, if I, if I go to day shift, I won't make as much money. And I was like, have you talked to your partner about that, about that actually being a possibility? Because I know she doesn't want you sick, right? I have, she, she also happened to be a patient as well. And she was saying to me, I'm really worried about my partner. And this woman ended up going into her boss. They talked about it. They decided, okay, it would mean she would need to work a few more years before retiring if she were to take the pay cut. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she went in and talked to her boss who said, you know, she's like, I know there's unlikely to be an option for this. Turned out there was someone on day shift who wanted night shift and they were able to swap jobs Uh, and the pay cut was only half of what she thought it would be. And so, but she never asked. It was like three years. We talked about it before she got up the gumption to ask about that and, and to accept for herself, like, okay, maybe I'm not stuck. Right. And I said to her Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, you never know, maybe someone else will hire you. If you don't look, no one else will. Certainly no one will. If you don't try, you'll never know. And people always assume that they don't have other resorts and they assume this is the only thing that they can get. And you just got to try sometimes. Yeah. I love that story. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. So now I have some rapid fire questions that I ask all of our guests on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
Okay, what does your dream life look like? <laughs> my dream life looks pretty similar to what my current life looks like, except for that I would have be able to not worry if I were taking more, like financially, from a financial perspective, I could take more time off to travel more because that's the thing that really brings me the most mm. joy. And I'm kind of, you know, working toward mm -hmm. that in a, you know, in working on having my business be more location independent. So, but yeah, that, yeah. Other than that, awesome. it looks pretty, it's looking pretty good. I'm really lucky. Yay, great. What is one book or resource set that you recommend to everybody? Other than my book? So I, mm -hmm. you know, blah, blah, wow, that is rapid fire. I you can say think your book. that the most, <laughs> yes, my book, Overcoming Overwhelm. Uh, the <laughs> the book that I tend to go to for, mo for, I would say the most commonly book I most common book I recommend is called The Body Keeps the Score by mm -hmm. an author named Bessel van der Kolk. And it's, it's about childhood and historical trauma and how it impacts mm. our current mental state and state of health. I'm doing more and more mm. kind of trauma-informed work because, you know, I think a lot of times we feel like we don't have trauma, but things that when you're a kid and your parents are yelling at you all the time, that's traumatic, you know, or you have an alcoholic parent or your parents get divorced or things that are kind of just, you don't think about as having been trauma that impact our choices as adults and how we, you know, that kind of subconscious thing we were talking about before. So that's a book I really recommend for everyone. Wow. That sounds like an amazing book. I have to check that out. It is so good. Wow. Trigger, trigger warning there. There are some pretty traumatic stories yeah. in the book. So for people who have actually had significant trauma abuse, I would just be careful when you're reading it. Yeah. I always want to give okay. a caveat. Awesome. So what is one habit that has changed your life? Oh, that's easy. I had a back injury a couple of years ago and I couldn't sit for more than about 10 or 15 minutes mm. at a time. And uh, I bought a treadmill belt that goes at my desk. And so I walk, I try to walk probably 10 mm -hmm. to 30,000 steps <gasps> really? a day while wow. I'm working. And that it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I can give a link <laughs> for that if you want in the show notes. It was like a thousand dollars, which was a ton of money to put on my credit card. But the return has been remarkable as far as my own injury, mm -hmm. but also how my creativity and my focus. And it's really been um, quite a remarkable positive thing to make sure that I'm moving on a regular basis. Sitting all day is so hard on our bodies. So how long are you walking at a time? Well, you know, it really depends. So on a day like this today I had two client two uh, virtual clients and a meeting with my virtual assistant and now this interview I'm not I'm standing now not walking because of the noise mm. but through all mm -hmm. those other visits I was walking so I probably yeah. walked for about three hours today wow. and I you know after this I will also go for a walk outside to get a little bit of fresh air but on a day that wow. I'm seeing patients I walk during my lunch break when I'm writing my charts. So I walk about an hour at lunch and I try to get a half an hour before work on those days. And that's three days a week. But most days I'll, I'll walk at least a couple, three hours, sometimes more. That sounds really amazing. And I, yeah, I did hear that walking boosts your creativity. Like you'd come up with better ideas and everything. Yeah, you know, when I first started, it was an impediment. I was working on the book actually. And I was having mm. such a hard time writing, like doing that work, writing while I was walking. But within, I would say a couple, three weeks, it just completely shifted. And I can, <laughs> I can write. I mean, I can't walk more than about a mile an hour if I'm writing like with a pen and paper, which I do a lot because I really like, I like that tactile <laughs> you thing. You can walk and write at the same time. But only if you're walking slowly. If you walk more yeah. than a mile an hour, it's just a mess and I don't like the mess. So, yeah. um, but when I'm, if I'm watching something, a video, I can, I, I can go like three miles an hour. And typically if I'm yeah. Talking to someone, I'm like at a mile and a half or two miles an hour, and it's really no sweat at all. And nobody, it doesn't bother anybody. At first, I would say, Oh, I hope you don't mind. And like, really, like, legitimately, nobody cares. 
Awesome. That's that's so cool. All right. So next question. What is the best life or career advice that you've ever gotten? You know, I think that that would be to be sure to pause when you need to pause. And that came from um, my friend Lindsay Para, who has a number of different online kind of consulting and coaching and um, group things that she does. And, you know, she has really encouraged me to, you know, be more, you know, I'm a very hard worker. I'm really driven, but without the pause, we don't really have time to reflect and recalibrate. And that taking a pause has really been, you know, both on a daily basis, but also mm-hmm. on a more, you know, holistic basis to take a break right after the book launch, take a little break, reset. What's important now? Are they the same things that were important a few months ago? And so mm-hmm. that really, you know, pause, breathe, pause, breathe. Yeah. Love it. And the last one, finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is? My kid. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. I saw him on your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's pretty rad. I feel really, um, you know, I wasn't one who really was looking, you know, mothering wasn't in my game plan Mm -hmm. at all. And my husband really wanted to be a parent. And so we did some negotiating and decided to move forward with that. And, you know, it's turned out to be really great. You know, I'm not one of those people who's like, you should have babies. It's the best thing that ever happened to you. But, you know, I would say for me in my life, the benefit that I've gotten from uh, facing my challenges of being a parent has been really amazing. Mm -hmm. And also he's just hilarious. (laughs) That's sweet. All right. Lastly, Dr. Samantha, where can we find you online? Oh, thanks. So my website is drsamantha.com, Samantha with no punctuation. And I'm all over social at Dr. Samantha ND. Dr. Samantha N is in naturopathic, D is in doctor. I'm particularly trying to put a little more effort after this pause. I'm realizing my favorite place to be online is definitely Instagram. So <laughs> please come, come find me there. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was an amazing interview and I loved getting to know more about you, especially your habit of walking and working. I'm, that's like blowing my mind. Oh, thank you. Yay. Well, thank you so much for having me. I was really, I'm really excited to be here. All right. Thank you. Bye. Have a great day. All right, hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Samantha Brody. Make sure to check her out on Instagram and her book, Overcoming Overwhelm. So now I want to share some key takeaways from our conversation. The first one is stress is inevitable. It's a part of our everyday life. It's just a matter of how much stress we can handle. So we each have a bucket for how much stress we can handle. And when all of those stresses pile up from different areas of our lives and the bucket overflows, that that's when it becomes overwhelm and that's when it becomes too much for us to take and that's when all those negative health detriments happen and yeah you don't want to get there one key theme that i kept hearing dr samantha repeat is we always have a choice we have to first be aware and decide what we value what we truly want and how we truly want to feel in life and then we use that to design our life to fit what we want. And so when you usually take on too much on your plate and you have too many stresses, it's because you haven't clarified what truly matters to you. You haven't clarified your values, how you want to feel and your priorities. So if you don't clarify those things first off, then you're going to end up doing things that you don't care about, saying yes to people just because. And you're just going to fill up your time with obligations and random things. 
Time is your asset and you get to decide what to do with your time. So if you don't schedule in time to do the things that you want to do, for example, like exercising or sleeping enough, then you're just going to end up filling up that time with things that you don't really care about, things that are just taking up your time but are not adding immense value to your life. The next takeaway is about becoming aware of your roadblocks when you're trying to change your life, when you're trying to build a new habit. We know that we tend to fall into like distractions or there's just something blocking you from making actual change or being consistent or committed to it fully. So Dr. Samantha recommends looking at why you are stopping yourself from doing what you want to do. Is it some kind of fear that you don't want to face or some kind of discomfort that you don't want to feel? Because humans naturally want pleasure. We want to feel good. We want to feel happy. And if you're faced with like a difficult project in front of you, it's so much easier to just open up Instagram and get that immediate gratification, immediate dopamine hit of pleasure of like seeing something entertaining, finding a meme that's funny rather than facing the very uncomfortable project that we have to do. And sometimes it it is just about like, you know, choosing pleasure over discomfort. But what you want to do if you truly want to change your life and build new habits is to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. You have to be aware of your discomfort for discomfort. And once you have that awareness, you could be like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I know what I want to do, what my brain wants to do, but what I should be doing and what is better for me in the long term is to tackle the hard thing in front of me. So I'm going to do that. The whole journey is about a lot of self-awareness, becoming aware of your tendencies and your thoughts and self-talk, and then really just like putting in the action to make change and continuing to do it because you're going to fall back. You will meet some obstacles and roadblocks, but it's just a matter of like picking yourself back up and trying again, being aware of what stops you and just like doing what you can to just take action anyway. All right, that's it for my takeaways for today's episode, but there were so many other great nuggets from the conversation that I recommend you just go back, listen again, take notes, and check out the book that she recommended too, because that sounded really good. The Body Keeps the Score. I'll talk to you guys in the next episode, which will be our final episode of the season actually. So we're going to take a little break after June and the podcast will return at the beginning of November. So we're going to take a little summer break, come back in the fall. Love you guys so much and talk to you guys next week. Bye. All right. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Next, make sure you check out the 2019 Artist of Life workbook and the daily planner by Lavender on my website, lavender.com shop. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavendaire, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye.